This is your Olympic hero and former WWE champion, Kurt Angle. And I just wanted to give a shout out to my guys, Clint and Noah. When it comes to covering sports, there is no one better. And believe me, that's true. It's damn true. Gentlemen, you are the top 1%. The elite. Best of the best. You are now listening to the Elite Sports Podcast. The pinnacle of hard-hitting sports talk. Featuring weekly expert analysis and top-notch interviews. And now, please welcome your hosts, Noah Groniger and Clint Schweitzer. I'm Clint Schweitzer, alongside Noah Groniger. This is the Elite Sports Podcast for the final time. Now, as of next week, the rebrand is on. Starcade Sports Podcast from now on. And I know that this is just a change that's going to take people... It's going to take people a little bit of time to get over, but we feel that our website, Starcade Media, it exemplifies everything that we do. We want to streamline things, so Starcade Sports Podcast after today. But today, the Elite Sports Podcast, we say goodbye from this particular brand, and we want you to make sure you use that promo code ELITE when signing up for mybookie.ag. It's winning season at mybookie, and it's winning season here at the Elite Sports Podcast here at Starcade Media. Noah, as we are just delving into anything and everything that we want here today as we are coming out as the preseason football is about to we're about to bid adieu to it Noah, are you burnt out on on preseason football i'm burnt out i'm done i am which makes me go to like i think this just needs to be two games because three just seems a little much four was too much of course now three just seems like a little too much so i mean we do have this game with the chiefs and packers they're going at it i mean the chiefs are kind of in their warm-ups, and they've got the Len Dawson stickers on their helmet, their warm-ups have the number 16 on. Uh, we just lost the legendary Super Bowl-winning quarterback, Super Bowl four against the Vikings. I mean, he's just a legend on and off the field here in Kansas City, and just our thoughts and prayers go out to Linda and the Len Dawson family. What a life. What a career in broadcasting. One of uh, only a few people to be in the Hall of Fame as a broadcaster and as a uh, a, you know, pro football uh, talent. So definitely going to be interesting to see what the scene is like out at Arrowhead and the tributes and the things that they do for Lynn. That's wonderful. And that's kind of going to put a ribbon on the preseason here. No other, any storylines as we head into this, to me, there's been some intrigue. This preseason has provided maybe more intrigue than a preseason has in quite some time, because we are talking about sort of reinventing the wheel here with the Kansas City Chiefs offense. But I like what I've seen from the receivers. And the, what I've seen from the receivers that have been playing, the top-line receivers haven't even been play- We haven't seen Juju Smith-Schuster. He's been out with a knee. We've seen Justin Watson really step up. Uh, MVS has been out there. Had a little trouble, you know, maybe the drop bug a little bit as it is. But I think that when you hear people all offseason say, this offense could be better without Tyreek Hill. You've seen Michael Irvin say it now on ESPN. I'm beginning to drink the Kool-Aid a little bit to see that this offense is going to be very dynamic, very diverse. It's a deeper wide receiving core than we've seen in quite some time here. No Tyreek Hill, no big play. Uh, I'm not going to say no big play. You're going to have big plays out of this offense, but we know what Tyreek Hill is. He's a freak. He's the most original wide receiving talent we've seen in quite some time. So are you drinking the Kool-Aid on this offense? I am a little bit. Give me just a, just a sip. A little bit. I can go a little bit there for you. I mean, you said no big plays. You think there still will be, just maybe not as many as we saw with Tyree Kill in the last 10 years. The three longest touchdowns, number one's Brandon Cook at 98 yards. Number two and three are both Juju Smith-Schuster with 97-yard touchdowns. So that's something we could look forward to out of him. I mean, Sky Moore's got the potential. MVS, McCole Hardman, they all have kind of game-breaking potential. And, man, if you're – you, if that's your receiving core and you don't have a Demarcus Robinson or Byron Pringle kind of holding you down, then things did get a little better. You're missing that top-end talent with Tyreek Hill. There's no one that ever in the NFL history that's been like him, so you are going to miss that. And uh, that little crosser in the Buffalo Bills playoff game that he took to the house late in the game, about 60 yards, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that you're missing. But, man, you get Jody Fortson back from injury. We've mentioned the receivers. This offensive line is just together more. Trey Smith and – Creed Humphrey, no longer rookies. Orlando Brown came back, signed his franchise uh, tender. So, yeah, I will be drinking the Kool-Aid. We're, you're not going to know where the Chiefs are going. Obviously, Travis Kelsey, but other than that, I mean, there's a plethora of options, talented, good options for Mahomes to go to. Three 
drives by this first team offense, three touchdowns in the first two preseason games. You like to see that. It's just preseason. You're playing the Bears and the Commanders. Can't believe that <laughs> word just came out of my mouth, by the way. The Commanders, that's not real. That's not a real life thing to me. But uh, yet here we are. So, you know, it's preseason. Um, not going to take a ton from it, but I do think that what I have seen is that running the football is just going to be <laughs> – very secondary, and there's enough players to spread the football around too. That it's going to be, I think that it's going to be hard to get a, a thousand yard receiver on this uh, team, other than Travis Kelsey. I think it's going to be difficult because he's going to, it's going to be spread around so much to so many different people. There's going to be injuries, and then it's going to be just Justin Watson. Come on in here. Oh, someone's hurt. Well, Josh Gordon, now you're playing. And I just think it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be one of those deals where, you know, the, the totality of, uh, of, of these players are, are going to make up the whole for this offense. So very excited about it. We're going to see how this goes against the Packers and you're going to be gearing up for uh, week one against the Arizona Cardinals and um, on September 11th. So a lot of excitement, a lot of stuff. We're going to be going to Mizzou, Louisiana tech next week as college football gets underway. The sec is going to get going. This is an exciting time. We're ready to roll for real. And here at Starcade media, we are going to be live each and every day, Monday through Friday, uh, hit us up on Facebook, Starcade Media. We're going to be doing our Starcade Live series. We're going to have something special for you each and every day, 11.30 to noon. That's all brought to you by our good friends at Royal Roofing and Solar. And, um, of course, this week on this podcast, uh, Royal Roofing and Solar and our good friends at uh, mybookie.ag. So get signed up. Hey, sports lit betting's not legal in Missouri. Get to mybookie.ag. <laughs> Sign up, buddy. Use that promo code ELITE. And um, know what? Today, as we get into... Some more topics. We've been kind of diversifying. We want this show to be open and honest and fun and entertaining. And we thought we would kind of take you back in our way back machines this week as we finish out our uh, Elite Sports Podcast run here as the everything else stays the same, the RSS feed, everything. You don't need to change a thing on how you listen to the show. It's just going to be new cover art. Us on the cover is cartoons. It's going to be fun. We're going to go in our Wayback Machines and talk about the glory days of World Championship Wrestling today because we're going to go back and, and kind of air some interviews that have been, that we've done over the years, Noah, that we've not really got out there that much. There wasn't really a spot for them. They're kind of buried deep in some of our old YouTube channels and stuff like that. But we're going to get into that glory days of WCW, World Championship Wrestling. When you think of it, I know what you think. If you think of the NWO, Holland Nash, Yes. If you think of 1996, that's where it came in for you. Just tell it, take for those that haven't heard us talk wrestling before, take us back to 1996. You become a wrestling fan and how it happened. Yeah. So, I mean, even years before that, I would go and start trying to watch wrestling, but I just didn't get it. Two guys in spandex look like they're underwear. They're just out there, just body slamming, pile driving. And I just, I didn't know any story behind it. I just come in, watch for a few minutes, say, I don't get this. I don't get the alert and turn, tune away to, Something, something else, a Say by the Bell episode, uh, Monday Night Football, whatever it was, I was tuned in elsewhere. And then 96, I tune in and I see Scott Hall, who I didn't know at the time. I was like, who is this guy walking down without a shirt on, just the jean jacket vest, walking down through the crowd? I was like, what? what? And then he goes in the ring, beats people up and starts this promo. And I was hooked from then on. I just couldn't take my eyes off. And I was like, He's not supposed to be there. What's that? Someone came out of the crowd. Wait, he's from another company, this WWF. I've heard of them. And he's coming. There's this hostile takeover. I couldn't believe it. I was hooked from the, then on. And then Kevin Nash comes in. We all know Bash at the Beach when the NWO formed and there's trash in the ring. I mean, that storyline alone just made me a wrestling fan. I'd like to say for life, but pretty much until 2001. I still love wrestling. I go back. I love going back and talking about the old days of WCW, but... And they still have their moments. AEW has moments. WWE has moments. But uh, as a night in, night out watch, uh, I'm no longer in that crowd. Well, yeah. And, you know, for me, wrestling goes back so so much further and so much deeper as, you know, I, I kind of predate WCW as my first memories of wrestling are like around 1988, around the time post-WrestleMania 3 where Hulk Hogan had beat Andre the Giant. But I kind of remember some of the fallout of that on TV. Uh, the match had already happened, but then they feuded on into 1988. And then uh, also uh, just catching like on, uh, Jim Crockett promotions on uh, T TBS. So that's where this starts. Of course, in 1988, Jim Crockett promotions becomes WCW, sells to Ted Turner. And that becomes the WCW we know today. It's crazy to think, Noah, that WCW, as we knew it, was only around from 1988 to 2001. <laughs> yes. Like that is such a short period of time. It was 
literally around for what 13 years and it just <laughs> seemed like a way of life like a lifetime because i remember you know the nature boy rick flair feuding with sting sting coming up winning that first title at great american bash 90. i remember all the pay-per-views i got some of them right here i still collect them look at this great american bash 91 one of the worst pay-per-views of all time <laughs> i got all the vhs's sting starcade 89 the future shock uh super brawl one i remember this first super brawl I rented this off the shelves at my local uh, video store renting place. That was a huge part of my life. Wrestling was such a huge part for me. You see some of the wrestling figures back here, the old WCW ring. It brings the, all the imagery brings it back for me, all the feuds. And so throughout the, our history here at Starcade Media, throughout this podcast history, we've had a chance to interview a lot of wrestlers, including former WCW world champion, Diamond Dallas Page. We're going to start with a clip from him as we've been so fortunate to do some of these great interviews with former wrestlers. And of course we've done, interviews with wrestlers that are not ever stepped foot in WCW, uh, like Kurt Angle, uh, Mick Foley, who did step foot in WCW, but as Cactus Jack uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. But, you know, his uh, fame came from the WWF. So we want to start with just kind of the story. Diamond Dallas Page here. This interview is from December of 2020, talking about his story and also Rodman and Malone. Yeah, he teamed with Carl Malone against Dennis Rodman and Hulk Hogan. Bash to the Beach 98. Let's get that story and much more from DDP. When I was going in the Hall of Fame in 2017, this to me was like my run that I had in WCW was unprecedented. It had never been done. A guy starting at 35 and blowing up at 40 and being the world champion at 43 <clears throat> never happened. When it never will again. It was just the way the stars lined up. So I knew I was going in. I just didn't know when. And when I got the call and I knew I was going in, I wanted to make sure that I thanked everyone who got me there. And I had this 27-minute speech. <clears throat> and I had it on my iPad, but that was just for notes. <laughs> and before I rolled out there, I came out with my four daughters. And when I rolled out there, Prior to that, it would have been very easy for the voice inside my head to be thinking, what the hell was I thinking? Why would I write something so long? Oh, my God, I haven't been in front of this many people, in front of 20,000 people live and millions watching at home. What the hell was I thinking? What if, I, what if my iPad freezes? What if I forget where I'm at? What if it's not working? Do you guys think that's what I was saying to myself? <laughs> Not a fucking nope. chance. <laughs> what, 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 I, what I was saying to myself, this is going to be the greatest moment of my life in professional wrestling. I'm going to blow everyone the fuck away. I'm going to make them laugh. I'm going to make them cry. I'm going to inspire them. That's the only voice in my brain. Eric Bischoff gave me an unbelievable opening that I only heard pieces of, but later really appreciated the thought he put into that. And I went out there and I killed it. It was the best thing I ever did in the business. Yeah. March 2001, WCW was bought by Vince McMahon. Just take us back to your initial thoughts and emotions upon hearing that. I always knew that my career was going to end in a WWE. I mean, I just always knew it. I was raised on WWE and I was ending it there no matter what. I really was bummed out for all the guys who worked for the company, like the camera guys. There's camera guys who've been working that show for Turner for 27 years. Like Moses, my buddy Moses, working there since he was 20 years old. You know, now he's 48 and, you know, and now he's out of a job. You know, and I felt bad for all the guys. Like I was off over that period and I called up uh, Bish and I said, I, I got to be at that show. I got to be at that show because I got to say goodbye. You know, I got to thank, I got to thank the people because if it wasn't for the people, my career never happens. Because unlike boxing or UFC, like you get in that ring with somebody, you just knock them, you knock them the fuck out, you win and you move up. 
You knock them out, you win. You move up. I don't want to spoil this for anybody, but professional wrestling is predetermined. And there's no Santa Claus either, damn it. Don't go there. Don't go there. (laughs) Uh, Freaking, you know, uh, in my business, the only reason I got over was because of this. And what I'm saying, the diamond cutter sign, it gave people like something to do with me to acknowledge they loved what I was doing. And when you walk out there and 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 people do this. And what I did was 20 years ago, you know, but they still were a part of the journey. And because when I'd walk out and throw it up or hit my sign and people jump out of their seats and throw the sign up when I hit my move, the diamond cutter, you can't, you can't not push that guy. Who was easier to work with? The mailman, Carl Malone, or the, the worm, Dennis Rodman? <laughs> you know, Dennis was an amazing character and an unbelievable athlete, obviously. Carl really wanted to be good out there. I would say that Dennis was uh, an amazing character and Carl's mechanics in the ring. And he had fire, man. Carl was, he was amazing. I got to give it to Carl, not because he's my, was my partner and I trained him, <laughs> but uh, just because uh, he, he really put the work in. He came and spent three weeks with me, you know, and I, oh. and I walked him through everything. De- Dennis was more of a red light performer. Yeah. You know, heard that. And, mm-hmm. and, he, and I'll tell you what, let's look at his history. Oh, <laughs> kind of did that as he won one championship after another as well, because they don't win all those championships. They don't win those last three without Dennis Rodman. Winning season has officially returned and with NFL preseason live, there are plenty of opportunities to win at MyBookie. Whether you're a seasoned better or a first timer, MyBookie gets you the most for your money with a double deposit bonus worth up to a thousand bucks. All you got to do is sign up, use promo code ELITE on your first deposit, and you'll instantly double your money with MyBookie. It's simple. A $250 deposit puts $500 in your account, and you can use your funds to bet on as many individual games, contests, or props as you want. Bet on team win totals, predict the Super Bowl winner, or use the MyBookie prop builder to give yourself the edge you need to secure the bag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Where does, where does Diamond Dallas Page rank for you as far as the great wrestlers of the 90s? I think, man, he, he became the he was the people's champion before The Rock was, coming out of the crowd, the diamond cutter. We, have, we were able to have him on. Great guy. He's done such great work with DDPY and former champion. He told the story there. Just uh, He's up there for me. He's in my top 10. He would definitely be in the top 10 for sure. I mean, I didn't know where you were going there. Overall effect, he might be top 20. But for me personally, yeah, top 10. I mean, I loved his feud with Raven, the diamond cutter. He'd go into the crowd a lot. I mean, there was just a lot of things that uh, he got you to connect with. I remember he, LaParca is my, one of my favorite wrestlers in my favorite luchador that was in WCW. He dressed up as him one time and took down Macho Man Randy Savage. You think Macho Man's just manhandling this LaParca. Why is this even a match? And then DDP takes off the mask, diamond cuts Macho, wins the match right there. So DDP, I mean, he really connected with the crowd when he came on and was somebody that you had to take notice of. Someone that uh, came into our view, you know, later in his career because of the great work he's doing is Mark Merrow, one of the great public speakers out there. You know, if, you, if you're at a, at a school or, you know, are ever around young people, this is the best person to come speak to your organization. I first remember Mark Merrow as Johnny B. Bad in 1991. Dusty Rhodes helped create that character. He loved it. Now, let's face it. Johnny B. Bad played the first like openly gay wrestling character, Johnny B. Bad. He had the... Uh, the kiss that don't miss the punch was his finishing movie goes on to be, you know, wild man, Mark Marrow, Mark Marrow in WWE before uh, kind of finishing his career. But today he does such great work. He's such a wonderful philanthropist and entrepreneur and what he does affecting the lives of young people is unbelievable. So let's go back to that interview, which took place gosh, back in 2017. We got to have Mark back on. This is great stuff. 
Well, Glenn, first of all, I, I got to tell you, there's no greater joy in my life than, than helping another person, and especially young people that are trying to find their way in the world themselves. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's actually just probably the most uh, exhilarating thing I've ever done. Uh, gosh, I, I remember being, you know, like at Royal Rumble in front of, I don't know, 60 or 80,000 people for that with WWE and feeling more nervous walking out to a thousand high school yeah. students, you know? But, you know, it's, I've done so many now and I find a way to connect with them that it, it's actually, there's, there's just so much excitement now uh, at our at the presentations. And, you know, it's it's still so much fun. I, um, you know, I get to go out there and still, and in wrestling, we get to entertain people, but in this, in this uh, realm, you still get to entertain people and the good thing is Clint no one's hit me over the head with a chair anymore it's great that, that, yes, that's an excellent transition and then something that, you know, and it is, it's just great. It just seeing something, and it, you know, we, we laugh about it, but it's some of the, the, the material is very, very serious, very um, self, you know, you don't pull any punches. I mean, you, you basically tell your story, you give a lot of examples, a lot of, a lot of things that went on in your own life. And it's a lot of things I didn't, I didn't even really realize, but my goodness, you've been through so many things and that I think that. Coming from someone like you that's been through those things, that's what I think is able to impact somebody more, someone that's been there and done that. So you can really relate to these people, can't you? Well, more so than that is I think they can relate to my story, and that's what's so important is that these young people that, you know, we see many, uh, many, many students that, you know, grow up in a single-family home. It's very common now. You see uh, many grandparents that have stepped up and take care of the kids today. And you see, you know, people with... with so many people struggling with substance abuse. Um, so many people that are, are struggling. The heroin epidemic has just exploded in our country. The opiate use and prescription medication. And we're just seeing so many kids that are being bullied or abused. I mean, when we were in school, kind of, you knew who the school bully was. You try to stay away from that guy or girl. But today, you know, we can see it happening 24-7 with kids with it, with social media and, and cell phones and, and so on, that they can just constantly barrage a child where they just feel hopeless and worthless. And, and that's why we're seeing so many kids that feel like they don't want to be here anymore. And, you know, it, it's so amazing. I mean, when, when I was in school, we never knew a kid self-harming burning or cutting themselves and we certainly didn't know anybody wanted to kill themselves today it's hard to find a student that doesn't know someone that's self-harming or has taken their life and and it's amazing that when i go to these schools i often meet with a principal or counselors before my presentation and many times they'll say to me mark unfortunately we've had you know three overdoses we had a suicide and it's like wow it's so tragic to hear these things are happening at yeah. people's in, 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 in such a young place in their life they, I mean they have their whole lives ahead of them and I I want them to realize that you know after every storm the sun will eventually shine you know we get through these things and many of the kids that bullied or were, were rude to us and like you sometimes can't remember what their last name was when you get older or yeah. you know what happened is there anyone better than Mark when it comes to the public speaking he's so wonderful and impactful yeah, Mark is the best. I mean, I remember coming across some of his clips online, these middle schoolers, high schoolers. I mean, when a pres when someone comes in to do a presentation, you're just like, oh, whatever. I at least you're I don't right. have to be in class, just sit here, joke around with my friends. The kids are always just attentive, tuned in, crying at his stories when he talks about losing his mom and how they had kind of estranged because he thought he was too cool and he was on this different route uh, in wrestling and he was doing drugs with his friends, drinking, staying out late, and his mom just wanted to talk to him. He'd blow her off and then he gets the call that uh, he's lost her and man, he just has so many regrets towards that and just kind of looks up at the sky and says, I hope I made you proud now and hope you're looking down watching over me. So he is absolutely one of the most powerful just presenters that you can get out there for a school corporation whoever you are to come speak to you he does a lot with kids trying to help them get on the right kind of course with bullying suicide so man he can change a kid's life like that absolutely can really cool that we were able to interview mark and uh you know, I just that that Johnny B. Bad character always stuck out to me. He he like opened up every WCW pay per view for like four straight years. He was just always <laughs> in a television title hunt out there. And of course, he goes on to be Mark Marrow, married to Sable, and and all that stuff in WWF. But uh, this was just great to talk to him. And another person that was interesting is we go back. We talk about the glory days of WCW. Really, those glory days if we're not talking about the 83 week run where they dominated the WWF from 96 to 98, 
that would be in the mid eighties of Jim Crockett promotions before WCW was a thing. This is back when Ric Flair and the four horsemen were running wild against guys like the Koloffs. And one of those people was Nikita Koloff, who was a, just an absolute white hot heel back in the day. Uh, as he was played that Russian character, that's wrestling was always a mirror for social change. Back in the day, you had a villain that was from whatever country the U S is feuding with. And Nikita Koloff, who was actually from Minneapolis, Minnesota, played that up to the T and talks about some of the just crazy rabid crowds and being a heel working in the Jim Crockett promotions back in the day of the mid Atlantic uh, territory. Yeah. Just uh, really, really just timing, right? You know, the old expression timing is everything. And you recognize the time. Um, and, you know, Animal called me one morning and, and it actually Don Cardotto, who was Ivan's tag team partner, they were the world tag team champions at the time. And Sergeant Slaughter actually came up with the original idea of a nephew for Ivan and laid out a whole, probably a whole two year storyline presented to Jim Crockett. And they said, yeah, I'm interested if you can find the guy. And so Don Cardotto approaches animal and he simply asked this question hey do you know any big guys who wouldn't mind shaving their head and becoming a russian <laughs> and an animal goes yeah as a matter of fact i know the guy right now you know so he called me i called you know he gave me he told me the story i go do they know i have no amateur background no professional training like whatever like I hadn't even hit a ring rope and he said i told them they said they didn't care you know it was at a time they were looking for some new talent and so I called Jim Crockett, had a literally a five minute conversation sight unseen. Those weren't the days of cell phone selfies and sending right. pictures through your phone. And I had a five minute conversation, made sure he understood that. And then I just walked into the his office the day he said to be there, about two months later, introduced myself and Nikita Koloff's born in the hallways of Charlotte, North Carolina that day. Well, the territory is super hot at this time. Jim Crockett promotion is there in the mid-Atlantic area, and you immediately get into some some huge feuds. And, I mean, you come in like, well, and obviously your uncle, Ivan Koloff, who, uh, of course, has since passed away. Um, how how important was it? I mean, did you, did you guys kind of travel together? And what? how important was that kind of as far as learning the, ro- learning the wrestling business kind of on the fly with him? Yeah, it was trial by fire. And, and yeah. actually, just a little clarification, that summer of 84 that I came in, uh, actually the territory was, was not on fire at that point. Summers are always kind of a little bit slower anyway in the mid-Atlantic, but, but that's why they were looking for a, some infusion, some new talent, some things to spark a fire. And because and, there were plenty of nights I wrestled in front of 50 people, you know, um, in, in an auditorium. But that said, it, it was trial by fire because I, I – you know, I'm born in the hallways that day. They put me right in the interview set with Ivan and Don, shirt off, don't talk, you don't speak no English. And then we finished those hours of interviews. They said, be in Raleigh tomorrow night, North Carolina. You're going to wrestle at the Dorton Arena on television, having never been in a ring. As the nephew of legendary, the Russian bear, Ivan Koloff. So we have the match, uh, you know, short. 11 second match. I get my first win in professional wrestling. And then for the next two or three months to Don and Ivan's credit, we would get to the towns early, two, three hours early. They would bump all over the ring and teach me the mechanics of wrestling. And then I'd sit in their corner. Uh, Ivan would sit in my corner and then I, you know, I'd watch their match. Ivan would watch my match. And on the way home, we would then talk about the what, what is no longer there, but the old school psychology of wrestling. And that's how I learned uh, those first, uh, you know, two, three months. And fortunately, uh, I was a good student, I guess you'd say, and, and adapted rather quickly. So talk about the tag team division at the time, because not only do you have the Russians, uh, you've got the Rock and Roll Express. And I think it was uh, Tully Blanchard that coined the phrase, if you want to start a riot in the South in 1985, beat up Robert and Ricky. And you guys did a lot of that. So what how, what was the heat like at that time for, for the Russians? Um, of course, this is like right post Rocky Four, So it's <laughs> Cold War time, of course, too. And then these tremendous tag teams that the NWA had at that time. Just to talk about kind of running around with some of those guys. Yeah, like Ivan and I took the belts off of, like we just, they recently, last month posted, uh, whatever day it was uh, in March, that, that Ivan and I beat uh, Dusty Rhodes and, and the Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez, for the tag team belts. 
Um, and then they brought Ricky and Robert into, into the territory. And, and, and so again, trying to spark something, uh, you know, they actually, the rock and roll actually, uh, in a, a little show, I think, it's, I think it's Spartanburg, South Carolina, or, um, uh, won the belts, but then we, we, we quickly won, won them back because we obviously we wanted to try to get, get them over uh, for, for those fans to fall in love with them. And then, of course, that led to the, to the big match at Starcade where, where, they, where they won them back. But um, uh, some great teams. I mean, you know, back in the day, uh, Mark and Jay Youngblood, and, and, I mean, Ricky Steamboat was always partnered with some good guys. And, and uh, eventually it would be Rick Rude and Manny Fernandez, the Raging Bull, would do some, some tag teaming. Of course, the Midnight Express, right, with, yep. with, uh, with Jim Cornette. And, and so, yeah, we had some, some really great talent, just overall talent here, not to mention tag teams only, but just great overall talent. Uh, a stable of wrestlers that we began to compile over those, the, the, that, that heyday of there, which is talking about 85, 86, 87, 80, you know, 88 in, into that era. Yep. Speaking of that, Noah, did you know that there are pops in the wrestling business and then there are the Rock and Roll Express pops? Not to be confused with the Road Warrior pop, which is a different level, but the Rock and Roll Express, we just saw Ricky Morton wrestle at Ric Flair's last match. He's still doing it in his advanced age. We were able to catch up with Ricky Morton kind of talking about uh, his time in wrestling. And man, that guy, you talk about the Rock and Roll Express, one of my favorite tag teams of all time. Again, from the Jim Crockett Promotions days, this is great stuff. Let's take you to uh, what Ricky had to say from an interview we did with him back in 2020. Uh, everything. And if you get a chance, guys, if you, who's listening, uh, you know, I have a show. Yes. It comes on my, on YouTube, on School of Morton, Facebook. It comes on at uh, 5.05 every every Sunday. That's uh, Eastern time. Yep. But, you know, it's my wrestling school. I have a lot of matches from there. I won't be there this weekend, but I, but I have some tapes that I play. We, we did a show. We did two shows last weekend with no crowd, just like everybody else did. Uh, only people that were there were the guys that were wrestling, and, uh, and they're the ones that sat in the crowd. So, but, it, you know what, it worked out real good. So if I, anybody out there who get a chance – Check that out. It's on School of Morton, uh, and it's YouTube off of that. Then you can catch me on Facebook, Real Ricky Morton, uh, and then uh, Instagram, Feed Baby Face Ricky Morton, and then Ricky Morton. How's that? Hey, <laughs> that, that covers it all, and I'm telling you, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I was just listening to the one you did last week, uh, the School of Morton. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I get that. Yeah, it's great. Great stuff, man. Yeah, I just I got David got on, on there just this coming up one. So man, it, this is a real kick. But when we just uh, did it yesterday and it's, man, it's, I think it's going to be one of my best I've, I've done. So thank you, man. Yeah. Listen to me on the school of Morton podcast. It's really cool. Uh, uh, me and Scotty Campbell, which uh, Scotty's real big here at the Bristol, Tennessee area. He, uh, he has a new show every morning and uh, he's into politics and, he can tell you what all goes in there, but boy, he's a big wrestling fan, and he sure does <laughs> have me out a lot. That's great, and we'll definitely send people over there to listen to that. But Ricky, you and Robert were part of the Crockett Cup just last year, and were recently seen on AEW. So I kind of wanted to ask you and get your thoughts on wrestling today, and if you think that AEW or maybe even the NWA can really kind of gain a foothold and become a force in wrestling. Well, you know, man, I'm glad you asked. Yes, that's a good question. You know, because uh, and and please listen to me. I don't have the answers to everything, uh, but I do. You know, Robert and I are going on. Uh, you know, almost forty years, so there'll be four decades that we're working home being tag team partners. But I've been in the business for forty six years. At, at, at a time that when I'm 63 years old, uh, especially this, since this, this last year, has been one of my better years, and listen to me, ever in the business. Uh, wow. Had a good thing for Crockett in NWA days. And, and this is what I want to say. 
you know, when you bring NWA back and you got people that's in the office there that and and it's even at my wrestling school when I train people, you know, before I can train you, I have got to make you understand what our business is about. It's yeah. not about me. It's not about you. It's about a business. And see, one thing I like about NWA is they have everybody there working together. You see, and, and to, to be successful, you've got to have everybody working together. Great matches. They have some of the greatest talent there that I've you know been around because you see, sometimes it ain't what you do in the ring, it's what you don't do. And they have a bunch of people there like that. And AEW, man, I, I, I can't thank uh, that organization enough for bringing Robert and I on TV. Now, when you get exposure like that uh, on national TV it, it, and from the Young Bucks being on their show and all the elite and all this stuff, I mean, God, it's just... It's up, but we're still out here. Uh, I'm not, and listen to me, I'm not trying to be somebody I'm not. Yeah. But this is what I do for a living. And uh, and as long as I can entertain and give the people their money's worth, it's, it's the only thing I know. I mean, it's hard when you do this for, you know, I'm not a brain surgeon. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, only thing I know is professional wrestling. I, uh, I I love all the promotions, and, and I'm just telling you this. I love it. I love being a part of NWA because it brings back the old members. It brings back the old school of professional wrestling, and it's you know in WWE and NXT, you know it, this is a blossomed billion dollar business. So uh, I, I really like it. You know, it's a lot of things that's going on. It's me. It's time for me, and I and I want to get into the into the production part of the business. I want to be a, an agent because, man, in the back of my mind, if, see, all you need is that one chance. Uh, it's all I do is eat, sleep, and drink wrestling. i got a lot of ideas, but, boy, I'm saving them for the right time and right place, and I can't Absolutely. wait to do that because I'm going to prove to the wrestling world that they, people still believe. No matter what you think, they still believe and I have some ideas, I think, that will really spark our business back again. That's awesome. Well, that's tremendous. Good. And that someone that, that someone that's a big believer um, in you and the work you've done is uh, Arn Anderson. Um, I don't know if you heard on his latest uh, podcast called Arn. Um, he, yeah. uh, talked, he talked about you and Ricky, um, you and Robert, uh, the Rock and Roll Express, being on the Mount Rushmore of tag teams. What does that mean coming from him? You guys had some classic battles with not only um, Arn and Ole, but certainly Arn and Tully as well. Um, what does that mean coming from a guy like Arn, putting you on that Mount Rushmore of tag teams? Well, but, you know, uh, what we're coming from somebody like Arn, because Arn was one of the greatest tag teams. You know, not only with him and Tully or him and Ole, or him and, it was him and Flair and, uh, you know, the four horsemen, this whole thing. It's, it's the world of me to get a compliment from Arn, but you see in, in our days, Arn it is not the part that I stuck out. You know, I'm, I'm Ricky Morton. I said for Ricky Morton, I, 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 I deal with, but Arn knows me. Arn knows how hard I work to the ring and my passion for this business, I, and that's the reason we drew money, because I'm getting back to what I just told you. I'm like a ball bouncing around here. <laughs> just making the people understand and believe in what you do. And uh, that's great. Uh, you know, Arn, uh, I don't got to say nothing about Arn. Everybody knows how great he is, you know. Uh, great psychology in the ring. And uh, it's a great compliment, man. Uh, hey, I hate to cut you off here, fella. Uh, yeah. I, I just come in. I've been running around like a chicken. <laughs> and I had to go to the doctor today and get released, and I had to go do this. But, you know, everybody's uh, confined in the house, and uh, I'm here with my wife. Uh, yeah. I took my hearing aid out earlier, <laughs> and I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> she, uh, she uh, uh, I can hear her holler. <laughs> no, no, guys, thank you. It's a great honor to be on your show, and uh, I hope that uh, – 
you can bring me back on when we have a little time and you can ask me some great questions. And don't forget, man, to check me out every Sunday, 505 on YouTube, School of Morton, Babyface Ricky Morton Instagram, and Ricky Morton regular Facebook. Guys, to all my wrestling fans out there that are listening, uh, stay safe. Be cool. And if the music's too loud, you're too damn old. Well, Noah, when you're watching wrestling, it's uh, it's you know the the late '90s, and you've got Tony Schiavone, you've got great commentators on there like Bobby Heenan, Larry Zabisco, and you've got David Penzer, the ring announcer. Noah, I in, in my opinion, a vastly underrated great ring announcer. We were able to interview him. Where does David Penzer rank up there for you? I mean, we got Howard Finkel from the WWF, Gary Michael Capetta, who preceded him in WCW. I just think David Penzer added a lot to the Nitro presentation back in the day. He did. You had David Penzer doing all the matches, and then they'd come out with Michael Buffer at the very end. But man, David Penzer, he's got to be up there for me. I mean, that was synonymous kind of with my coming into wrestling, David Penzer in the ring. So it's great that we were able to catch up and talk to him. Yeah. Well, pretty much as you probably know, uh, the the Nitro thing was sort of like on, done on a dare. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, T- Turner was, he was in a meeting with Turner, and Turner said, Look, what do you need to uh, compete with Vince? And Eric, thinking he would never get it, said live head-to-head on Monday nights. And Turner said, done. And then Eric had to figure out what the hell to do next. <laughs> so I don't know that any of us were expecting anything out of that. You know, it was exciting. I guess the Mall of America was a cool little spot to do it, and it was a different kind of vibe. Um, I sort of figured that we were on to something when Lex Luger came out. And that's when it clicked in my head that, you know, they, they, they're, they're playing to win. And this isn't just, you know, we're doing this because Turner – kind of did it on a dare, uh, you know, that we're playing, to w- that we're playing to win. And, um, you know, as when Scott Hall w- walked down those stairs in Macon, Georgia, I knew he was coming, but I didn't know what he was going to say. Uh, and, and when he did his promo acting like he was coming from there talking about scheme gene and, and billionaire Ted, and you want to fight, you got to fight, uh, <laughs> that a b- even bigger light bulb went off in my head. And I was like, Holy crap, this is good. So, you know, when Hogan turned and he was the third guy, uh, which is, as far as I know, came down to the wire, uh, they, uh, you know, like you said, the garbage just started flowing. The crowd started getting bigger and bigger. Uh, we started doing more and more shows. We added Thunder. It was crazy. It was, you know, I look back and I don't know how I did it. It was 25 days a month. Uh, it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, house shows, Monday, Nitro, Tuesday, Thunder, every other Wednesday. Saturday night. So every other week you would fly home on Thursday and then have have one day home, not even a whole day because you had to fly out on Friday for the house show. So it was it was crazy. And um, but it was fun. I was living my dream. You know, people started kind of knowing who I was a little bit and, you know, wanting, you know, hey, an autograph here or a picture here. And, you know, at it's 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 an honor to to for stuff like that you know like i said this this was my dream and i really never thought that i'd have made it to the heights that i made it so the fact that i was able to do that was was awesome the fact that i was able to to hang out ride and and party with some of you know some of my favorite wrestlers of all time you know have, sitting there having drinks with bobby heenan i mean i used to in college me and my uh me and my friend a friend of mine in college used to uh we used to get stoned and uh, watch the Tuesday night Titans thing with Bobby Heenan, just cracking us up. He's, and we yes. Just, just and, and, and I, I'm not a smoker. I haven't smoked since college, but that's what we did. And the fact that, you know, I used to say to myself, I had this list and I still have it to this day, actually, but I've always had this list. If I could have a drink with three, three people who are alive, who would I like to have a cocktail with? And, um, Bobby Heenan was always on the top of that list. And everybody has a kind of list like that, a bucket list or, you know, a freebie, you know, if you're married, you know, who'd your freebie be? Um, <laughs> nobody ever thinks that they're going to have a chance to, 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 you know, actually do that. And not only that, he took me under his wing and, 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 you know, there was a night, there was an announcer's trailer. So think about this for a time period when there was an announcer's trailer outside this about an hour and a half before Nitro, while we were all getting dressed, this is who I got to listen, tell stories back and forth. Tony Schiavone, Mean Gene Okerlund, Larry Zabisco, Bobby the Brain Heenan, Lee Marshall, Mike Tenay. Yeah. I mean, that, that it gives that's, me goosebumps saying it after all this time. I mean, 
you know, it, it's a it's a it's it's a dream of anybody who's a wrestling fan. You know, I don't care who you are. Well, I'll tell you, the legacy of WCW lives on. We've seen it. We were just at Starcast last month, meeting Kevin Nash, which was super special. Meeting the Nature Boy Ric Flair, of course. If you're going to talk about a franchise of WCW of the Jim Crockett promotions, it was Ric Flair, the NWA World Champion. Ric Flair went everywhere from territory to territory for so many years, making people look great and just really being the, the face of WCW uh, along with Sting who never left. Ric Flair left famously in 92, but we were able to meet Flair before his last match with the big gold belt in the robe on the TBS set. I mean, everything about that was so nostalgic and wonderful that it's going to be hard to ever top those moments and meeting those great wrestlers. No, being able to meet Kevin. I mean, that's kind of what brought me in, him and Scott Hall. And it's sad that we lost Scott Hall recently. Yeah. And But man, getting to meet Kevin, Eric Bischoff was there. We got to meet him. You met the Steiner brothers. And of course, it kind of all culminated with meeting Ric Flair and then going to his final match. I mean, just the memories were so thick. You had to brush them away from your face. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows that from Field of Dreams. And I felt that right there, not with baseball, but with professional wrestling in the 90s for me. I mean, that's where it was at and getting to meet those people. I mean, that's something I'll carry with me forever. It's a snapshot in time. We didn't know what at the time that we were living in this very small bubble and that it was not going to last forever. We took it for granted. I think everybody probably did. All wrestling fans did. There was no better time than the Monday Night Wars. You know, I came in at the golden age of wrestling in the late 80s and early 90s. And then to be able to just be reinvigorated by the Monday Night Wars and DX and Stone Cold, The Rock versus the NWO and what was going on. Sting coming down from the rafters and WCW what Eric Bischoff was able to do in WCW should be forever lauded as a tremendous feat, a company that had never turned a profit, that it had just horrible leadership one after the other from Jim Hurd to Cowboy Bill Watts coming in there to try to run the company and then in their early 90s with it just absolutely falling all over itself. It was always one step forward, two steps back with WCW reigns supreme and that should be celebrated. And this company will forever live on in our hearts. And the fact that there's still podcasts like 83 Weeks Talking about it, going back and reliving it, that says all you need to know about the lives that this company changed. And um, it did for me as well. And we were able to catch up with some really great people to talk about it. Now, this is this was a fun episode because I was able to relive not only the past of World Championship Wrestling, but some of the interviews that we've done in the past that I was able to re-engage with and listen to again. Yeah, it was great to be able to get those back out there. We kind of did them whenever we could get people, and it was mm -hmm. one here, one there, one here, one there. And so to be able to bring it into one show and kind of do this, kind of encapsulate all of it, everything that we've done about WCW and going back to these glory days. And you were you hit the nail on the head there with Eric Bischoff and what WCW did. There's no way they should have been able to do that. Uh, all the failures they had before that, going against just the wrestling family and lineage of the McMahons and what they had built and the wrestling was their whole lives. Then you've got this WCW coming kind of out of nowhere. And what is this? I mean, it just should have been another, another fledgling program, another fledgling wrestling ship that just didn't make it. And what Eric Bischoff was able to turn that into, well, ultimately kind of failing and falling down the way there with the Russo at the end and Bischoff coming back in the new blood and just the 2001 being able being bought out by Vince McMahon. But even having those 83 weeks and kind of dominating WWF there for a little while, I mean, hats off to him. No question about that. I cherish every single thing. I mean, as we kind of put a ribbon on this, just memories, best memories. To me, I, I got the shirt on right here, Sting and Flair, Great American Bash 90. I'll never forget that. Just, um, I didn't watch it live, but just the build up to it. Sting had been a horseman. The horsemen turn on Sting and they're not going to give him this title shot and Sting injured his knee in real life and had to come back from that and to win that in Baltimore, huge pop. Um, gosh, just so many, so many pay-per-views looking back that were terrible. Great American Bash 91. I remember like begging my mom for that. Uh, you know, Super Brawl one, the return from the rising sun, Capital Combat with freaking Robocop. But beyond that, I always think back to Sting and Hogan, the buildup for that Sting coming out of the rafters, how well done that was. Uh, the NWO, that whole storyline, we know we talked about it. Everybody, everybody knows Noah, how much the NWO meant to you. <laughs> Are they sure? Do I need to say it again? Because I'm gonna, I'm a shill for the NWO. And just you talk about biggest moments, all mine are probably horrible moments for the company, but big for me, uh, the finger poke of doom. I was so glad that Nash and Hall were back together. They're reforming the NWO. I mean, 
uh, Hogan beating Sting at Starcade, even though it shouldn't have happened. It was awful. I mean, I was just an NWO shill. Uh, Nash beating Goldberg with Scott Hall coming back dressed as a security guard with a cattle prod going after Goldberg. So the luchadors were big for me. La Parca, El Dandy, Super Colo, Juventud, Psychosis. I was just so huge into the luchadors and what they were able to do, the high-flying aspects of it. So I was a shill for the NWO and the luchadors. That's uh, the fond memories I have. And then the great talent that WCW was not able to get over. Benoit, Guerrero, Malenko, Chris Jericho, the giant, these are people that wind up, wind up defecting and kind of the, the rips begin. I, this is weird. This is, I we never really talked about this. I, I don't see how anyone wrestling fan, any, any type of wrestling fan, whether you're new old could ever have been cheering for Hogan against Sting because like it was built up to where like Hogan had been the champion for a year and a half. Like that, that's just unheard of for a champion to be that long. And he was a coward heel. We're like, Hull and Nash were cool heels. Hogan was like a cowardly heel. Like you're just get the belt <laughs> off of him. When Luger beat him uh, in August of 97, the pop crowd went nuts. Like get the belt off this guy. Like I don't see how anyone could have been cheering for Hogan in that match. Well, you just, you've got to be an NWO shill to do it. Just wanting everything for the NWO, no matter what it was, no matter what the cost. That's, to the that's company. terrible business though. That's it terrible is. business. Like I said, I like all the stuff that was horrible for the business, but good for me personally. And then and the NWO keeping the straps on them. Yeah. Cause like there was just, you, you, it became such a running joke. Like the NWO doesn't lose. It's just, and that's no fun. That's not, that doesn't, that's just as if like Rocky going through a movie and like never having to, face any adversity like that's not that's terrible for business and that's wound up running its course being a huge problem that Starcade 97 finish was a disaster and i don't know i can't help it i can't uh go back and put my put myself as a fan then and i guess i just knew the business so well like i knew what had to happen for this to be good storytelling if that makes any sense yeah we've talked about it numerous times what would have been best in that scenario and sting when the nwo goes away yeah and maybe they just come back like a few months later stronger reformed different um but yeah hogan winning was in no way shape or form good for business but uh i guess sting didn't have a tan that's what eric bischoff said it's true we will (laughs) we will just hold that against sting forever well, guys, we thank you so much for joining us here on the Elite Sports Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this trip down memory lane. Hope you're enjoying the final Chiefs preseason game of the season as we get set to head to Arizona and more big things coming from us. Starcade Sports Podcast is back next week. Big things to come here as we make that transition from the Elite to Starcade Sports. It fits. It fits like a glove. Noah Starcade Sports Podcast going right in line with our, our main brand, Starcade Media. Our website, StarcadeMedia.com. It's the main umbrella to which everything we do falls under. You like nostalgia. You like, we've got articles, interviews, podcasts, breaking news. It's all there on the website, StarcadeMedia.com. Noah, are you, what, what's uh, this? Is there a little calm before the storm? Is football season ready to carry you away before it does? We got this little couple days, like a, like a week, basically of a period. Like what, what, what's your headspace in? Are you still trying to like find a Netflix show to watch? Or are you just shutting everything down? What's your headspace? Probably shutting everything down and just kind of grinding. I don't know if there's even relaxation. It's just grinding until the start of the football season. we got a lot to do in terms of graphics, kind of closing out, formulating these shows, getting people set up. So we got a lot of different shows coming for you. But uh, we say goodbye to the Elite Sports Podcast here. We're starting the Starcade Sports Podcast. And, uh, man, it's, it's been a good run, but we move on. We do. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Elite slash Starcade Sports Podcast, starcademedia.com. Check us out on our socials. Noah, we run the gambit now, buddy. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and yes, you guessed it, TikTok. You got us in. This is all you. You made us do this TikTok thing, and now it's like, well, no stopping us now. Just start the, just start doing the Dougie. Teach me how to Dougie. Teach, teach me how to Dougie. Oh, we're not TikToking that. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you next week.